Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, my two brothers, and we are deciding the best album of the millennium so far. Uh, we have narrowed it down to a field of 64. There were some um, quality albums left dead on the roadside, but uh, we've arrived and it's time to uh, start the tournament. So um, without too much uh, further ado, I will... Uh, let you know that we have this broken up um, much the same or slotted out much the same as the NCAA tournament itself, March Madness, and we have uh, our seeds 1 through 16 in our four different regions, and these matchups are difficult. 18 plus years of, uh, of great music, and um, it's all going to come down to this, so... Uh, Let's see how many times one of us can make a joke about 18 years, 18 years, got one of your kids, got you for 18 <laughs> years over the course of this tournament. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, they, so this is the equivalent of the Thursday, um, 11.30, you've skipped work. Yeah, or exactly. You've I've, I've taken the rest of the week off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you got your money, and, and your money first on to go, the pool. To go get shit-faced and bet on basketball. Yeah, your first exactly. beer is served, wings are here, and... Uh, the Strokes are taking on M- Strokes. Is this it? Is taking on uh, number sixteen seeds M eighty three. Hurry up, we're dreaming, which is the equivalent of you know the winner of the Colonial Conference, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, this is your classic Kansas versus from UVM. Um, but uh, you know, I think in this case we're gonna. Uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is some of these are going to be uh, unanimous, and um, in in this case, I think um, I'm pretty safe in, in believing that all three of us would vote for "Is This It?" unless I'm mistaken. But um, I think I'd like to you know, talk. Now, to, yeah, yeah, I'd like to talk. Uh, you know, probably uh, spend a little more time on the on the more con- uh, highly contested matchups. But um, in dismissing. Uh, M83's Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Uh, Jer, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why this album uh, made the, the round of 64? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a really good, complete record. Uh, there's a band who uh, I think really put out some great stuff in the in the, two th- in the last 18 years. Um, Before the Dawn, Heals Us is a great album, Saturdays Equal Youth. But then on Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, they sort of combined their, you know, almost sonic youthy guitars with new order synths and, and kind of real 80s kind of dance pop into one sort of perfect package. And, and I think, you know, that, that's why I made the list. It's an album that you can pop on track one um, all the way through track 22. I think Christian mentioned earlier, it's a double album, which, you know, is rare to make any list that I, I put down. But this is an album that, you know, I, I think just really kind of captured that that wave of, of bands kind of looking backwards a little bit to some of the uh, synth-heavy pop of the 80s, but combining it with, with the edginess of, of, you know, the millennium and today, so... And electronic dance music. <clears throat> yeah, I like, think uh, I think if there was a, a sing, you know, if we were talking singles, and this was a, uh, um, you know, competition based on, on singles, Midnight City is is a one of the best songs of, uh, uh, since that's come out since 2000. On our 10 trillion list. Yeah, it's and certainly uh, one of the ones that... Uh, was least escapable. It was everywhere that year. So um, we uh, bid a fond and farewell to M83's Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, and we move on to the highly contested 8-9 matchup in this uh, in this bracket, which is Wolf Parade's Apologies to the Queen Mary versus the White Stripes Elephant. And this is uh, the USA versus Canada. <laughs> 
as fought on the uh, on the Ontario Michigan border. <laughs> so I think this one's a little more contested. This is a close matchup in my view. What are you guys What are you guys feeling? Should we uh, go around the no, horn here? I think here? that's right. I mean. I, th- I think we've got to say, you know, it, it seems like a competition between, you know, one of the most commercially successful um, sort of I- perhaps indie-rooted uh, albums, but, you know, ultimately the White Stripes were megastars as a result of this. I mean, and look, kind of like uh, Blur with song number two, um, there is part of it that, that really does go back to one song. I mean, you, you can't um, you, you can't really talk about the White Stripes without talking about Seven Nation Army and the fact that they basically wrote one of the all-time best, you know, top three or four oh, yeah. stadium Soccer chants. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, it's like, my... Uh... It's like the fucking Fratellis with that song, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, you know, and, yeah. um, like, what's it called? Chelsea Dagger. My um, daughters have to take Spanish at their school, and I remember early on um, my youngest daughter coming home and, and practicing C, yes, in Spanish, to C, 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 C. It's <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> like, Wow, it's, it's being taught in school. Let's just say. Did that make you feel really fucking old? <laughs> yeah, it did, and I definitely had to pop on Seven Nation Army. And yeah, exactly to drown drown them out. But I, um, or sing along but I don't want to. I don't want to discount the rest of that album. The rest of that album is is no, is outstanding. Know, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't want to draw too much attention to it, except to say that it's still getting primetime commercial radio play on a regular basis. Like it's just it, it made them so huge. But the flip side of that, I, I was going to say, was you know I think Wolf Parade made one of the most influential and important indie rock albums of the two thousands with that. Um, apologies to Queen Mary is like I mean sonically it's it is I think what and the, there is a, a even more direct connection here. But I think it's sort of the way that that Modest Mouse um, uh, presented like a, a really sort of um, almost like cacophonous, uh, you know, collection of sounds that were, like, run, you know, that were barely being held together and barely organized, but, like, also created these really interesting melodies. Um, like, that's what these guys did uh, a few years later. And actually, incidentally, this was produced by Isaac Brock, so... Um, yeah, I've always joked that. it's the uh, the perfect, the first perfect Modest Mouse album. Sorry to all you Modest Mouse fans, but it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty much near-perfect album, an album that I, I still play to death today. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, being in junior high and high school thinking like, what if there was a device that could tell you what song you listened to the most and how many times you listened to it? And then, of course, that delivery came in the form of an iPod in 2004. um, And Wolf Parade's Shine a Light is the song that I listened to the most on my iPod uh, from the time I got it to the time uh, I I surrendered to uh, Apple's uh, technological... um, Chronic upgrading, but uh, yeah, it was the be- it was the single I listened to the most on my iPod ever. Well, so and these guys were were two. I mean, incredibly, I think, creative. You know, um, and certainly, uh, certainly also, like, um, required a lot of different channels. I guess for for their sort of musical energy. I mean, they were really busy guys. I mean, between Sunset Rubdown, I, I'm, this is Dan Beckner and, and Spencer Krug. Um, but Spencer Krug's other band, Sunset Rubdown, was also really good. Um, Divine Fits, a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these guys have like a ton of spinoffs. The operators. Yeah. You sort of feel like if you could channel all of that energy into one album, well, this would be it. 
Um, you know, and, and I think, yeah, Shine Light's amazing. You are a runner and I am my father's son is, is classic. It's a curse. Um, I mean, you know, and, and so many just strange sounds that you really can't, you, you, you can't necessarily identify as, uh, as being, you know, as hearing in other places. And, 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 and so purely in innovation terms, I think this, this gets a really fair shake, but. Well, let's um, bring it to a vote. <clears throat> yeah. Um, when? I'll vote first because um, I think I'm the least conflicted here. I'm going to go with the White Stripes Elephant. Okay. I'm going to go All Wolf right. Parade. Apologies to the Queen Mary. Oof. I'm going to go with White Stripes Elephant. Ah, there we go. All right. USA. USA. <laughs> um, so uh, take a quick break and we'll come back. Um, listen to we'll play out Shine a Light. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are day one of our greatest album of the millennium so far tournament. And a uh, 5-12 matchup, which is a lot of times in the actual uh, basketball tournament, these are these are trap games. Uh, these are dangerous. And in this case, um, yeah, I think the matchup merits the same. Uh, number 12 being Queens of the Stone Ages, rated R, versus number five, Spoons, Kill the Moonlight. Wow. So. Wyndham, would you like to kick off the conversation? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, 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 I don't would. think anybody I, wants to talk about this. This is brutal. Yeah, this one's really tough for me, but I, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I'm leaning towards Kill the Moonlight as a um, just a, a nod to the consistency throughout that album. It's one of my, it's, you know, I... I going to say that about every Spoon album. It's one of my favorites. But um, in this case, they really switched gears, changed their sound. Um, and, um, you know, this was a very, this was, you know, the sort of first, um, you know, more keyboard forward album for them. But, it, you know, sort of had still had their signature, um, you know, uh, um, deconstruction of pop music uh, into very distinct Compartments, um, you know the the greatest compartmentalizers in, in pop music. Um, Queens of the Stone Age, you can't argue with this album. I, you know, oddly, I didn't think this album came out in two thousand. I thought it came out before that, but um, it kicks off with one of the great rock anthems of all time, <laughs> "Feel Good Hit of the Summer." Um, it's you know Nick Oliveri's input is at its most um, critical, I think here um but also uh his silliness is, is allowed 
to um, prevail maybe one too many times uh, on this album uh, for me to, you know, rate it as highly as, as Kill the Moonlight. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, Scary, I think you could have a final four of Spoon albums, so Kill the Moonlight is, is definitely, um, you know, uh, just them coming in their own. I, I think the cool thing about both these albums, and I think the thing that kind of uh, makes it a tough choice, is it, it's really when Queens of the Stone Age became Queen of the Stone Age, in my opinion. They had an album prior to this that was good, and then this was sort of when they hit hit the stride that this is the band they're going to be and i think same with spoon spoon had an excellent album series of sneaks prior to this wasn't heard by many people has kind of gone back and and people have listened to it but they hadn't quite mastered that sort of less is more sound that they really uh really sort of capture on on kill the moonlight i mean opens up with small stakes which you know is really kind of quintessential spoon boiled down to like you know a, a the fine minimalism that they've really yep. just created. A this is when they. For. This is when they started recording in like a laboratory clean room. Yeah, it, it's amazing. So I mean, you know, I, I'm good to vote on this one, Christian. Any thoughts on these two? No, I mean, I think this also kicked uh, kicked Spoon into um, you know much, much sort of greater public notoriety and, and praise in the sense that. Um, the way we get by was featured in the OC, which meant that every teenager on the planet knew who they were. Yep. I will say that if this was a vote on album covers um, and rated uh, our wins, <laughs> rated our, it would probably win the entire tournament. It's <laughs> one of my favorite album covers ever. So, anyway, Kill the Moonlight moves on. Um, Sayonara, Queens of the Stone Age. See you back in the desert. Um, mm-hmm. Next one, uh, another toughie. Number four, Run the Jewels, the second album, uh, versus number 13, Band of Horses debut, Everything All the Time. And uh, on this one, I am, you know, I'll talk Band of Horses um, first, which is uh, to say that we had seen them um, very early. They were the one o'clock band on a festival lineup uh, at the first um, Intonation Festival, which was the first uh, Pitchfork Festival. Um, And I just fell in love with this band right away because, A, they were such seasoned performers. They had been in other bands. prior to this and had extremely comfortable stage presence but also both singers in the band were were really good vocalists um uh, and one of my favorite uh pieces of stage banter i've ever heard um was uh, somebody yelling at uh ben bridwell uh i love you man to which he replied i love you too got any weed <laughs> um yeah. So anyway, Band of Horses, I also think this album frequently gets um, uh, sort of reduced to its massive single, Funeral. Um, And I would uh, argue strongly that it is uh, a really complete complete album with songs like Our Swords and Wicked Gill. Um, You know, they're just, uh, it's, it's a really, really excellent album start to finish. So Band of Horses Run the Jewels, you guys resume the conversation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to Christian because I yeah, think I'm going to be the deciding a factor here. Me. I mean, I think um, Band of Horses made a fine album here, um, but uh, in, in, it just it pales in comparison, at least for me, to, to Run the Jewels too. I mean, I think um, what we learned about Run the Jewels on their first, on their debut, uh, just their self-titled debut, um, was that holy shit, this might actually be the perfect combination between, you know, a, a, a really sharp spitting MC and, and Killer Mike, um, an LP who's been making this sort of off-the-wall 
you know, hip hop beats with like plenty of touch of, of guys like Jay Dilla and, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of indie hip hop producer, um, who, uh, you know, who was, I, I think, desperately looking for somebody who could sort of complete the picture. Um, the fact that they found each other, uh, just, is so fortuitous for the rest of us. Um, and I believe we have the creator of uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim to thank for that um, in a sort of funny turn of events. But, uh, you know, I think that this... The, uh, there was a great line um, in, a, in a review of this, and I, I you'll have to forgive me for not remembering wh- exactly where it came from, but um, it was that if uh, Run the Jewels was a supernova, then Run the Jewels 2 was full universe forming um, in the sense that it, it really did, I think, uh, put them on a, a new tier and, and, you know, I think uh, show that this is a, they've, they've got real staying power. Um, and so far they've yet to disappoint. All right, should we take it to a vote? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, run the Jewels. And Wyndham Band of Horses. Yep. I'm, that's my that's this is my most uh, stark old man vote in the entire yeah, and, uh, tournament. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, turn that rap music down. <laughs> I'm gonna I go. Run the Jewels. I'm gonna move Run the Jewels forward on this one. I'm just gonna give a quick reason why. I, I do love the band Horses album. I listen to it a lot, and I still listen to it. But you know, my entire sort of listening to hip hop career, I've had LP around. And, and wanted to like LP based on just all the unique, crazy stuff he does and never have until I heard Run the Jewels. And uh, I think Christian kind of nailed it. It's just such a, a dynamic duo that really kind of took it to the next level. And I will say that as much as I listen to Band of Horses, a few years back we had consecutive blizzards in Massachusetts and I was stuck shoveling. And uh, the album that got me through that was Run the Jewels 2. And I will always be in debt to uh, Killer Mike and, and uh, LP for that. So moving on, Run the Jewels. Yeah, the best angry shoveling album <laughs> exactly. of, of the millennium so far. Um, all right, next up is uh, number six, another tough matchup. Number six, Spoons, uh, Girls Can Tell, the predecessor to uh, Kill the Moonlight. And uh, number 11 versus number 11, Phoenix is Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. So who wants to kick this one off? Uh, I'll kick it off. I mean, I think these are both, you know, Spoon, Girls Can Tell is a really sentimental album for me, so it's, it's more of a personal album. It's an album, you know, kind of the album I really got into first by them was given a demo, actually, or, a, you know, un, before it came out on, on a label copy. And it, it was a band that I kind of, living in Austin, was always sort of omnipresent, but I, I just never was that into until I heard this album and it was kind of like that clicking moment of I get it like these guys are really good and and I I still am you know super fond of that album everything hits at once um there's just a start to finish it's a great album fitted shirt and then the Phoenix album again is is, you know a brand that I, I liked the album prior quite a bit as well um, but this was sort of their breakthrough. I mean, when I first heard, is it 1901, the single? Yeah. I mean, that, right away, I just wanted to hear it again. Blue. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, Listomania. Um, it's, it's a really great, fun pop album that, you know, you have a great band like Phoenix, but a band that sort of, you know, kind of melds everything they do well, much like the MA3 album we talked about earlier in this uh, round. Where kind of like this is they sort of hit that perfect blend of, of everything they do. So um, it's a tough one for me, but I, I think I'm actually going to go with the Phoenix album here, just because I, I think it's more fun to listen to. Whoa, me too. 
Wow, that's an unusual. I that it's a it's a unanimous, and I thought it would have been the other way around. So I, I first did too. I thought I was first gonna, major I, upset. Yeah, I thought um, that was going to get overruled. Um, and I, but, I can I can tell you anecdotally, I uh, I saw Spoon Phoenix and uh, Passion Pit play together, um, and I was I went up backstage uh, drinking with the guys from Phoenix. Um, all really terrific guys, much friendlier than the Spoon guys. So there you go. Wins the day. Well, should we take a break and then come back in and wrap up yes. this region? Yeah, absolutely. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pub. We are uh, currently working our way through our first region, the East region, um, and uh, we were just about to move on to the last quadrant three matchups. Somehow we've managed to fuck this up already with the math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, how is it that we have three matchups anyway? Um, yeah, so uh, just to recap, we have um, the strokes is this it moving on. Uh, White stripes. White stripes, elephant. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, then kill the moonlight by spoon. Run the jewels too. And Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. This is already shaping up to be a brutal round too. Um, next we have number three's LCD sound system. This is happening against. Uh, you know what? What might be a surprise to to have made the bracket for a few folks, but U two's all that you can't leave behind. Wyndham, I have to say, you sent this album to me when I was when it first came out when I was thirteen or so. Um, it's great, and it's like uh, you know, it really is. It's up there with with their best, um, and it sort of seems like it it came at a strange time for them. Um, they'd really, you know, kind of dropped off. I mean, not I in terms they were of popularity. Yeah, exactly. But they they were old guys and you know the irredeemably old in the world of rock and roll um and all of a sudden they proved that isn't true and they they came out with you know really i think one of their best albums probably their second best in my opinion um, mine too so uh i'm a huge fan of it i actually still play it um i it's you know that's that said uh it's about to get crushed so <laughs> it's it's a, it's a kind of album that you can you can feel sentimental about and unashamedly so it's it's a really really strong album it was uh, again like i said i thought they were i thought they were washed up ironically they're playing lcd sound system which was the band they tried to become with uh zuropa um 
you know, in the mid nine, mid to late nineties, um, you know, they, they wanted to become, uh, this like Vanguard, uh, electronic based band. Um, but you know, in the end they are what they are, which is, uh, a really, stadium really anthems. amazing stadium anthem <laughs> writing band from Ireland. Um, all that you can't leave behind, um, was, uh, you know, to me is 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 a great testament to the fact that um, you can age well doing that yes. kind of music. I think but this is this is the best case that's made for like uh, their bid for continued relevance, and um, I am willing to listen to anything they put out to this day, um, at least to figure out whether it's good because they proved me wrong before. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I I am sort of like every time somebody tells me a U two album's coming out, I'm I'm kind of like. You know, I'm a little excited about it. I want it to be good. I want them to have that uh, that moment again because when they're on, they're on. So well, I tell you, I, I mean, just a, again, personal anecdote. But I mean, I went to college in 1988, um, the year I think Rattle and Hum came out, and, and I was, I was convinced that they were they were washed up then. So, yeah. uh, Octung Baby, obviously, in my opinion, their their greatest album was still to come. Um, and you know, these don't count these guys out, but we are counting them out here. I think we're all three going to, um, just, you know, in to talk a tiny bit about LCD sound system, uh, this is happening is actually my favorite. Um, and I think all three of us have a different favorite LCD sound system record. You said it was their self title was your favorite. No, this is my favorite. Uh, this is happening and it's moving on. So we'll take the vote just no as no arguments uh, here, yeah, LCD. yeah, just as a perfunctory exercise. But all three, I think, are I'm yep. going LCD. You two are as well. Uh, LCD. Okay. Next up, number seven, the Hold Steady Boys and Girls in America, versus number ten, the Thermals, the Body, the Blood, the Machine. This one hurts my feelings. I don't yeah, want to get rid of either one of these. One. This is two great rock and roll records. <clears throat> Um, you know, I'm going to talk a minute just quickly about the Hold Steady album, and, and then we can talk about the Thermals as well. But, you know, I think both these albums were kind of, I, I don't exactly, I'd have to look up the years the Thermals album came out, but I think they're pretty close in timing. And I think it also was kind of a resurgence of, of straight ahead sort of, you know, rock rock music. I mean, the Thermals definitely has more of a, a punk um, ethos, but I, I think it's a great pop rock record. And then I, Boys and Girls is an album that I um, I believe will be a little bit split on this one, but you know I, I think is my favorite Hold Steady record. And I think took everything again that they did well and, and really kind of made their best best album on this. So, um, Christian, I know you're a big Thermals fan. Let's hear let's hear your argument for the Thermals. Yeah, I, I mean I think there's there's something sort of ebullient about the the near hysterical voice um, and and sort of vocal delivery. It is just it is so jo- uh, joyful, but like also um, exasperated. And yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's strained, but it's also um, I mean he is he couldn't be uh, sweating out a single you know. Um, uh, more ounce of of um, himself into this, in, into every song that he sings, into every line of every song. You know, yeah, he's singing um, until he's out of breath. It's kind of yeah. great, and he's a fit dude. Yeah, and it's uh, no, and it really does, um, and that's it's just it's it's a it's an it's frustrated, it's political, um, but in a way, it's it's also it's also incredibly optimistic, um, and it is super high energy. Uh, I, in that in that respect, it hits on a lot of the things that make punk rock great. Um, and I have to say, having seen these guys live a ton, 
I fucking love this band's live They're set. They're great like, live, absolutely. The, no joke, everything that you hear on every album is exactly the same. I mean, it's just, he's so... They throw in excellent covers, too. They're a great band. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I think Hutcheris is, is a really... Um, he does slip into sort of pop territory here, which I think is great. I think it suits them well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this album, um, so... I am too, and I also think you know not to be overlooked is the, you know the sort of religious anti-religious uh, sentiment that's in here. It's a yeah. very, um, you know, Catholic it, it doesn't just Portlandians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, 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 I have no idea what that guy's background is, but I wouldn't be shocked to find out that he is a lapsed Mormon. Um, you know, he's got a very strong. Uh, opinions about organized religion and they come out in this um you know in songs like saint rosa and um i i I think this is a phenomenal album i hate to see it go away but i think it might i fear it might um my vote on this is for the hold steady's boys and girls in america which you know to me is is criminally undervalued at a number seven these are for the record uh these are two painfully painfully overlooked I, I mean i think you know as as really sort of tighten albums of, of the last 20 years um i look the the hold steady belongs in the next round um it's not going to get my vote uh but that's because separation sunday is is truly my favorite hold steady album and because i just so badly want to see the thermals move on <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, um, but I think I, I kind of called it early on. The Hold Steady for me, this is to my favorite album, and I love the Thermals record. There was a huge surprise for me. It's, it's I'm so glad it, it made it to the, the tournament this year, but they're going to have to say bye-bye. Yeah, we should have cheated in the seating here. This we the, did last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, last uh, last matchup damn. for the, uh, the East. Damn here. you learning from your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the last one here is number two, Arcade Fire's Funeral, versus number 15, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. And um, I love uh, Kendrick's, this is Kendrick's, uh, you know, the first album that I heard uh, from him. I think it's fantastic. It introduces, it introduced me to, you know, the guy who I think is a preeminent um, MC right now, and still, I, I uh, again, USA versus uh, Canada, um, but this time I'm gonna err on the side of uh, Canada. There's some height on that Arcade Fire team that uh, you can't overlook yeah. in this matchup. <laughs> Not on the Kendrick team. <laughs> like you two, um, you know, Funeral came out of seemingly nowhere to me. I mean, I think I remember Wyndham, you called me and and talked about the album just being like the biggest thing you'd heard uh, we're seemingly nowhere is canada um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh i got to uh you know it's just, it just it was an album that was way bigger than it than its context i mean it just sort of like blew up and blew up this the indie rock scene and, and uh, i got to see them pretty early on and, and they were amazing and uh you know like when said kendrick this is sort of my introduction to kendrick too and i think you know one of the brightest best hip-hop artist, um, if not the best, going today. And, and this is a great, great record, but it's just a tough matchup for me. So I definitely know where, where this one's going. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think the way that this transformed indie rock um, is probably going to uh, cause it to edge out um, our number 15 seed, Good Kid, Mad City. I, I will say, um, as much as I really love 
Kendrick, I I'm not gonna lie. I've just I struggle with some of the jazz stuff in his albums, um, and it makes it tough to get through all of the tracks. Like he is, I understand that he's drawing on a a, a really just smart music musical tradition. It just happens to be one that I don't like. Um, so you know, I, as much as I like his singles, I his albums probably are are gonna struggle to get my votes uh, throughout. So. All right. Arcade Fire well, it is. Arcade Fire, Arcade Fire, Arcade Fire. Uh, funeral. Big album. And, uh, you know, this is a number one seed, or number two seed. And it's, um, you know, look for it come Final Four time because it's, uh, it's as big as, it, as they get in this world. So, um, anyway, let's take a break and we'll come back and we will do our uh, second region um, in the Album of the Millennium So Far competition. are back and we are moving into our second region um in uh the best album of the millennium so far uh march madness competition let's jump right in number one seed versus number 16 uh seed and in this case it's uh daft punk's discovery is number one seed versus number 16's arctic monkeys whatever people say i am i am not a yeah, I mean, I'll take a, a moment just title. to look. I think I think we know that this is probably headed chalk. Um, so, uh, I you know, but I, I will just take a moment to talk about the Arctic Monkeys. Um, this album was so incredibly hyped when it came out. I I, I mean, if you guys remember, um, I, I think it was. I mean, it was really described as like 
this incredibly transformative, um, immense rock record that was just going to like completely change British music and and um, it would lead a second British invasion and all this shit. Have you, have you, you in England for many this? of those from the British press? <laughs> like, no, well, but were you in England for this or no? Yeah, um, you were. And I, I think I. I think I went the year after it came out, but they were still, I mean, it was like, they, they still dominated the headlines and, and the tabloid press and Pete Doherty was doing the same thing. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say, uh, it, at the time I thought that they were overhyped and I wasn't crazy about it. It took me a long time to, to come back around on them. Um, but he is a really phenomenal, like songwriter and lyricist. I agree. Um, and I think that that, unfortunately it's like in, in some of the, dancier grooves that they've come to later and in some of those sort of, you know, loud and raucous rock music that they were making early on, um, it, it, it actually, that kind of gets obscured, but, like, the, the reason that I think that they're as good as they are is because he's such a clever lyricist. I 100% agree. I, I'll bet you look good on the dance floor was a hit. Um, I still think you used to get it in your fishnets, now you only get it in your house dress might be the best opening line of any <laughs> song uh, that's included in this in this whole tournament. Um, I That actually made me laugh. Different album, loud. though, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, I guess speaking to the, the cleverness of his, his lyrics, but... Um, yeah, you can't argue with Daft Punk it, Discovery. It's it was a pretty remarkable, yeah, Titanic. It was a pretty remarkable time. I'll just say that Pete Doherty and I, I mean, the Arctic Monkeys and Libertines were out there at the same time because it really was like, oh man, we're we're watching, we're witnessing a pretty incredible competition between two guys who are only making each other better. I think it was yeah. sort of the the redemption and and salvation of of Britpop after a long layoff of about 10 years. And also Pete Doherty, who continued to only make himself worse. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. I think we. Uh, I think we're unanimous, unanimous in our Daft Punk um, discovery vote here. Second matchup on this region is number eight, Broken Social Scenes. You forget it in people versus number nine's Cigaros. Hit it, Christian. Yeah, a Gittis Bergen. Yeah. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I'll put in a word for for Cigaros here. Um, just to get it rolling. I mean, when I first heard them, I'd never heard anything like them. I still haven't really heard anything like them. Um, Broken Social Scene, I think, is tight, moody, um, well-written, sharp indie rock. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a fine example. If, if you wanted to just say, you know, what's one of the best constructed um, indie rock records? But it's, it, it almost does feel uh, like you know, prefab indie rock or something. I mean, part of it is the supergroup component of it. Um, I'm a big fan of the album, I should say. And yeah, I think and it, it, it was in Broken Social Scene. I mean, so you had Feist was in there briefly for this album. Kevin That's Shields. That's the one that I found Not Kevin Shields, sorry. Um, who's, the, who's the main guy when... Is it Kevin? Kevin Drew. Kevin Drew, sorry, Kevin Drew. And then uh, there were the, the, the woman from Brent, Stars. Brendan, Brendan yep. Canning was in yeah, it. Yeah, Brendan um, Canning. It was like, uh, I mean, I remember seeing the, the, combo, them the first the, time and there was about 12 people on stage. Yeah, yeah the bands were Metric, Feist, yep, Feist Stars, yeah. Apostle of Hustle, Do Make Say Think, um, Casey Accidental. All uh, jammed together. and uh, Amy Millen and um, what was her name? Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, mean, there's it, like it, like most of Toronto's in this band, just put it that way. Yeah. 
I mean, it does. It does speak to a, to a great example, though, of um, of a geographical scene that like uh, that pulled together and like really put out. I mean, it was such a tight knit community. Um, By the way, this was able to happen. Supergroups historically suck. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. to, and we've got two we've got two, uh, two Canadian, Canadian ones yeah. here, and and both of them, you know, buck that trend. Um, broken both broken social scene and and uh, the new pornographers. Are um, Canadians the only people who can make supergroups great? Yes. Well, they're, you know, they're very humble people, so... It's, they're, uh, they're gods of the power trio, they're, and they're they share well. Don't get in the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know... But I, I, um, I say all that because, um, you know, I, again, like you with Cigaros, I, I heard... I remember exactly where I was when I heard that, um, and, I, and I didn't know what I was listening to. I didn't know... I was listening to KCRW in Los Angeles driving down the road, and I heard the the uh, the ten minute track, which again I I don't like to try and um, pronounce their song titles. Um, but uh, you saw small people with much, large for, eyes walking towards yeah, you. <laughs> totally. I mean, I just like I truly didn't know what I was listening to, and I didn't know whether this would be a um, you know considered a, a whether this would be big with rock people or whether this was like some sort I of I still don't get who their fans are Philip Glass kind of thing or, yeah. or you and then know you, and then you made a mountain out of mashed potatoes and yeah, totally <laughs> totally I but, mean that's what it felt like but uh, you know and, and that's a long way of saying that I love broken social scene but it's almost hard to compare to compete with uh Cigarros because they don't they, they're not of earth yeah, um, yeah. no they're from Iceland yeah I mean they um <laughs> The uh, yeah the fa- I mean okay so they're definitely the only band that made up their own language to sing in in the bracket um, so that's got to count for something <laughs> except Pete Doherty <laughs> yeah exactly um, no I mean they're they're awesome and I I like by the way they kill live never yeah, seen never them. seen them and bummed so that I have fucking haven't. loud yeah it's amazing it's it's really good stuff but that's um, what I mean I couldn't figure out whether it was I was listening to like some new form of classical music or whether that I was you know listening to, yeah. to like some, and it is super experimental and it sounds equally groundbreaking now as it did when Post it came rock. out yeah, yeah. This is. The, I mean, like speaking of aliens, yeah. we're gonna I mean, have up, Daft up Punk and, was... and Cigaros in the same in the same bracket. Ooh. That's right. That'll start the robots, the robots versus the aliens. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but no, I mean, I think uh, the the last thing I'll I'll say about it, I mean, is that you know they Cigaros also I think carry the mantle for post rock in this bracket, and um, the hopes and dreams of Godspeed You Black Emperor and Explosions in the Sky are also resting on their shoulders. So I'm going to cast my vote for Cigaros. Nice. Me too. Yeah, sure. I'm dissenting, but uh, you know, doesn't I think matter. Broken Social Scene would also cast their vote for Cigaros in this, which is like they might. Yeah, I mean, I bought it's, the humility. You as forgot you, as you it say in the people, is. Meadowlands, and the uh, Decemberist album that I threw in the trash, and two of those two albums are on this <laughs> on this bracket. So on the same day, it's just an album that I love, and and I think Cigaros is fantastic so, and interesting. But we'll move on. Eat your eat your heart out, Colin Malloy. Um, we're <laughs> we're moving on. Yeah. Um, all right, so next up we have the yeah, yeah, yeah's Fever to Tell versus Death Cab for Cutie's Transatlanticism. Death Cab for Cutie, a slightly less annoying uh, version of the Decemberists. Um, <laughs> Transatlanticism is uh, obviously, I mean, it's, it's a great album. I mean, I'm going to just cast my vote for Fever to Tell. I don't yeah. even understand how it slipped to five. I do. I do. <laughs> but like, uh, I do. Cause I, I, um, you know, and I love put it 64th on your list just to piss me off. <laughs> no, it wasn't just to piss you off. It, it, it's, it's an, 
I think this album, to me, you know, rides on the strength of one song, and that song is one of the best songs of the past twenty years. Um, you know, one of the best pop songs ever. But um, it, why do you it, hate to, punk rock so much? The rest of it doesn't did, didn't feel new to me, uh, and that's a that's the difference between hearing this when you're, you know, fifteen and when you're thirty five. It's just um, you know, this to me didn't feel groundbreaking. It felt, um, you know, derivative, and and I think it's good. Um, but it didn't, it, it, it can't have had the same impact on me that it had on you. Cause I've, you know, I've, I've been through several waves of this stuff, much the same as I don't think a punk rock record could come out now that made you feel like it was reinventing anything. I think it could. That's, that's actually, um, a, a pretty big distinction, but, uh, and, and I actually think I hear new, interesting punk a, a, a lot um i i think I, this is over and above i don't think this is derivative um what she was doing was new and fresh and cool um nick zinner's like weird single note guitar lines were you know pretty unusual um i look i don't need to defend this right now uh, no let's talk so about I, death cab too i mean yeah i'm gonna say death cab was a band that you know was very much part of my my age group's world and, and I'd never listened to because I hated the name so much. I hate and so I, much. And it was a name. band that I didn't really understand. I mean I think I had one of their albums just because I had it. Um like I'd pick up anything that you know back then it was a little you know, you just were sort of grasping for straw sometimes. I think this was an album, though, that was the first album that I really listened to by them and realized what a great songwriter Ben Gibbard is. And, you know, I mean, in general, I think it's, it's a really excellent record. It's, an, it's another record, I think you mentioned the OC prior with um, Spoon that, you know, certainly was name-checked in the OC multiple times, ended up on a lot of the, those soundtracks, which actually became really well-selling soundtracks. And, and I think Death Cab, Modest Mouse... And a few others um, sort of were, were, you know, uh, launched out of indie rock and out of underground into mainstream radio at that time and in mainstream sort of consciousness. Um, you know, just to put in a, a note, though, I, I do think this is probably their best and most complete record. Um, it's big sounding. It's really well written. I love so like the sound of settling. I think the song. Um, the New Year, which it opens up with, is great. Expo 86. It's a, it's a really, really good record. Yeah, yeah, as for me, I'm not as sort of um, black or white as Win on it. I like it. I think that it uh, it definitely has more than one great song, even though I agree that is one of the best songs ever written in the last 20 years. Um, but I'm not as hot on it as Christian either. Um, I don't think it's as, as complete as an album as, as you do, Christian, but I, I think it, it definitely has a freshness and... Uh, and especially, I think in the, in the instrumentation and the you know the, the sort of two piece sound that wasn't like as blues based as a lot of the other two piece bands that were, were kicking around at the time. So I'm I'm ready to cast a vote, um, but I'll let you guys go first. I think Win, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean I I'm going with yeah yeah yeah, favorite to tell. Okay, so then it's a sweep because I was going to go with yeah. it as well. Okay. Um, all right, next up is uh, number four, 
seed Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot versus number 13 seed PJ Harvey's Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, which is a, a battle of the early part of, of the uh, millennium. Um, PJ Harvey's, I believe, was 2000, uh, whereas Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was uh, made and well documented. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, it, you know, it, the story has, has died down since, but, you know, this was the album that was recorded, got them kicked off their label. Um, and uh, the band, they got paid, you know, paid for the same album twice. Um, but Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, um, I think begs uh, revisiting because PJ Harvey is a phenomenal songwriter, um, you know, in the same. You know, we were talking about Alex Turner and and um, Ben Gibbard, Pete Doherty. PJ Harvey is is that gifted of a songwriter as well. Uh, she had been um, very confrontational and um, you know, sort of uh, angry young woman uh, when she came out, and she this was sort of the sophisticated. Um, you know, this was the sort of her turn at, uh, you know, sort of growing up and, and becoming a more cosmopolitan, sophisticated kind of an artist. Um, and in fact, going back to, yeah, 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 as if you were to tell, if you don't, you know, I mean, it, I don't mean disparagingly derivative, but you can hear a lot of the early PJ Harvey stuff reflected in, in Karen O's delivery in the yeah, yeah, yeah's uh, first album. Um, PJ Harvey, uh, I saw open for you two on this tour and she was phenomenal she could hold an arena um that said uh, my votes with yankee hotel foxtrot because i just think that's one of my favorite albums ever yeah i mean i love uh stories from the city and, and from the sea as well i think it's probably my favorite pj harvey album probably not a lot of people's i think some people like the earlier harder stuff or, or even some of the later stuff but uh Yankee Hotel Foxtrot just, you know, it's a timeless album to me, and, and I think Wilco's masterpiece, so I'm there too. Um, well, thankfully my vote doesn't matter because neither of these made my list. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wouldn't expect necessarily P.J. Harvey because I don't think that's the album that most people key on for her. I think most no, of her... No, actually her next album is... I mean, I, I liked Uh-huh, Her, and... Um, let England Shake, I thought was good in 2011, and then obviously Rid of Me is yeah, Rid of Me is great and Dry. dry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's like listening to three different artists though. It's it's really uh, she's an amazing uh, amazing chameleon. I hate um, to say it, but this this like there is like a there's a sweetness to this album that I know it's it's it, it makes sense in the context of her career that like. Uh, she would be showing how she's growing up, and if you know how visceral her like attitude used to be, um, it, it works. But like to me, hearing it, I just like I'm a little turned off by how close to Natalie Merchant it feels. Um, Ooh, wow! Yeah, ouch! Good thing she didn't make Shots it. Shots fired. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, next one is uh, number six, Radiohead and Rainbow. Merchant against. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, versus number 11, Kendrick Lamar's Damn. So it's uh, the old guard versus the new guard. Um, somebody else want to kick this off? Because this is a toughie. I'll talk yeah. real quick. Sorry. Go, Go ahead. I mean, uh, I think we've talked a lot about Damn this past year, uh, being on our, our best of list. Um, so I'm going to – don't know where you guys are landing on this one, but I'm going to give my uh, my push for Radioheads and Rainbows. And uh, this is an album that I, I think, you know, 
post OK Computer when somebody makes an album is, is sort of impactful and as big as that, you're sort of waiting for them to do it again. And, and, and uh, Radiohead's a band, you know, much like some of the other bands on this list that, that headed in their own direction um, in a lot of ways, mainly by kind of deconstructing songs, you know, getting more electronic. And this came out at a time where, you know, music had shifted from, from, you know, major labels to streaming, and these guys released this album for free, I believe, or you could buy it off their website. Um, either way, I, I, it was probably the first album. you could make a donation. Make a donation, yeah, I downloaded, or one of the first albums I, I downloaded. Name, um, your own, name your own price. Not on iTunes, yeah. namely. And uh, I think this album for Radiohead, a band that, that I love, but I, I, I struggle with sometimes, um, I, this album is just aged beautifully. I mean, uh, it, it's a record to me that that kind of blends a lot of the stuff they were doing. It's got, you know, it, it's a guitar record, but it also has a lot of like really fast tempo drumming and, and dance grooves throughout it. Um, I think that it's well formed songs and songwriting on this album. You know, all I need is, is a fantastic song. Um, there's some rockers on there, and the song titles are, are skipping my mind right now. So feel free to jump in. But, um, you know, 15 Step, you know, Body Snatchers body snatchers are just great. amazing. I love Weird Fishers. The, the um, Reckoner, um, which used to be Feeling Pulled Apart by Horses, which sounds like a oh, completely yeah. different song, but it's worth yeah. looking up because the, like, the heavy, crushing, like, guitar line in that is, is a guitar riff that, that drives Feeling Pulled Apart by Horses is, like, completely sort of pacified and, and turned into this, like, beautiful but eerie and dark uh, sort of melody um, for uh, for Reckoner, but uh, outstanding songs. I mean, a lot, and some of this stuff was reworked material. It's worth noting, like this is stuff that they'd had for a long time that they'd sort of been puzzling um, and trying to, you know, they were waiting. Is they the story goes, had been waiting for a while um, to to sort of for the last Reactive. pieces to come together and for the concept of the album to come together. And you know, the the way those guys work uh, is sort of bizarre um or i mean it's very unusual for a band of that size it's you know it's an equal split of of labor um but anybody in the band can come up with any part of a song and they will then send it on to everybody else and they will um you know figure out how they can add their piece to it um and it sort of has a you know it's like they keep forwarding this this song that builds and builds and builds but they're basically writing independently which is kind of fascinating um this is a great example of that is, is my point so well, let's go to vote. In rainbows. Jared? In rainbows. Yeah, I was going to go Kendrick. So uh, it, in rainbows goes ahead. I, I, and largely because I find that that era of Radiohead kind of runs together for me. I can't remember. I can't really distinguish uh, in rainbows from Hail to the Thief. And, and uh, you know, so I guess that's um, a lot of that's resting on my shoulders. But I sure, you know. Uh, I think Dam's a phenomenal album. I was listening to it yesterday. Anyway, take a quick break and we'll come back.
to the brother 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 podcast we are wrapping up uh day one region two and uh here's one i can feel a uh, a significant pull from from my two brothers uh this uh, this matchup is number three modest mouse the moon in antarctica versus number 14 kanye west late registration so uh, i'm going to kick it over to uh, you jared to uh, give us the lowdown on moon in antarctica and uh, then christian give us Try to convince me why I should vote for late registration. Yeah, so two two tough ones. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, basically with Modest Mouse, the moon in the Antarctica, if you were following Modest Mouse at the time, they had 1997's Lonesome Crowded West, which was kind of a, a real sort of, uh, let's just say, like indie rock kind of uh, masterpiece. It was an album that, you know, I love, I think all of us on this pod love, but also really put them on the map. Also put them on the map to major labels. Modest Mouse was one of those bands that, led by Isaac Brock, that was really kind of like just ambitious and pushing the limits. Um, they were signed to, did we say Epic? Um, and in 2000 came out with The Moon in the Antarctica, which I think is is really kind of a master, their masterpiece in the sense that it, it took that raw <clears throat> sound that they had been perfecting out in the Pacific Northwest and, and made a major label album. I mean, this album sounds completely full, sounds very well produced, but maintains the edge and the cleverness and the sort of Oddball interesting, yeah, yeah. That, that they brought to the table. I mean, opening up with Third Planet, Gravity Rides, everything actually taking it even down a notch and, and, and those are both mostly acoustic numbers um you know isaac brock's wordplay is still intact the the different chord progressions the overdubbing of vocals and guitar sounds um all the way through to, to sort of more typical modest mouse songs like tiny cities made of ashes um you know wild pack of family dogs Paper thin walls. I mean, it really start to finish this album. It, usually, when your favorite band went to a major label, it was like, "Fuck, you know, here comes the album that is going to be dread. completely dumbed down, yeah. yeah, and softened up." It was really the opposite. I think Modest Mouse both captured a, a much larger audience, also showed kind of the indie rock world post, you know, sort of the pavement slacker days that like these guys were in it to win it. I mean, I remember listening to him in an interview just saying like, I want as many people as possible to listen to our music. This is not something that I, you know, want to remain small. And, uh, and I think they, they, they mastered that feat with this record. It's a, it's a great, great album. And, uh, you know, along with Lonesome Crowd West, I think, you know, right up there is, is one of their best pieces of work. An album that I think also is, is sort of universally 
enjoyed by different people that like different genres and uh, of the time. So definitely reached that wider audience. Yeah, I think one of the major differences between Modest Mouse and somebody like Pavement is, is you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of competition for authenticity and uh, an ill-defined and coveted kind of uh, uh, designation within the indie rock community, and people were very quick to point out that other people were posers. But most of the people involved in, in indie rock were sort of, you know, uh, like I say, suffering through with the suburban ennui, which, um, you know, we all sort of grew up with too, but they were all college kids that were, you know, or college dropouts that were doing these things. But it was a lot of... Um, was concentrated in and around a lot of areas where there were a lot of colleges and there was or cities, but uh, you know, Modest Mouse kind of came out of no, literally, kind of came out of nowhere. They were from the middle of nowhere, and uh, you know, without having the same pressures of you know trying hard but uh, appearing to uh, not give a shit. Um, they were pretty baldly ambitious, and, and this is the result. So, Christian, tell us a bit, little about late registration. Sure, and I'll just chime in quickly. I mean, I think the, the interesting thing about Modest Mass is that this, I mean, this was their first album to chart, it's also worth noting, right? Like, they, they hit 120 on the charts with, with, the, uh, with their record sales. Um, they subsequently, four years later, uh, with good news for people who love bad news, um, hit number 18. So, I mean, they, they were destined for something bigger and particularly that song float on was was a mainstay of the billboard charts for yeah i mean exactly um i i have to say that you know i've since discovered that i like everything prior to that point um a lot more than i I actually liked good people for uh good news for people who love bad news um but yeah no it's a it's a great album there's no uh there's no denying that i'm a a huge fan i I go back to lonesome crowd of west probably more frequently um but speaking of the west uh, and speaking of the very best West, Kanye West, um, we, uh, we've also got late registration here. And this is actually, this is my favorite Kanye album. Um, I think this was the moment when Kanye went from being uh, somebody else's producer turned success story um, into the largest celebrity supernova well no i guess not a supernova just star um that we've that we've got i mean literally in culture today he is probably the the closest thing to michael jackson or um you know somebody of that caliber that sort of universality uh anywhere and and i really think that it happened on this uh on this record um you know remember that like he had uh, on his previous album, you know, been he'd had his jaw wired shut, and through the wire was sort of the the coming out um, uh, sort of album for him, and then and then this in two thousand five, um, he had thrown an absolute uh, fucking fit at the American Music Awards. Um, he then performed Jesus Walks at the Grammys um, in a diamond studded Jesus piece. Um, and appeared on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, he also would not shut the fuck up at any point um, in you know conversations with the press. They loved him. They couldn't get enough of him. Um, and you know it's it's not hard to see why. Uh, I think he transcended like the the music. I mean certainly genre, but just but just the music industry. I mean he he became a lot bigger than that. But to but to focus in on this this particular album, um, you know I I think you have. His sampling abilities uh, and his, you know, his ability to weave, um, you know, classic uh, like 
soul, old R&B music, um, jazz into, you know, modern punchy hip hop beats is like, is on full display here. I mean, you've got one of the great songs of the last, uh, um, last 20 years in Gold Digger, but frankly, the, the, I mean, the whole opening run of Heard Him Say, Wake Up Mr. West, Touch the Sky, Gold Digger, um, Drive Slow is, is you know, a, a personal favorite of mine um, that actually features Paul Wall, who I was never uh, a huge fan of until I heard this song. And, and you realize how indebted he is to, to Bun B from, from UGK and the sort of Houston rap scene. I mean, this this picks the best elements out of everything that, that existed in the hip-hop landscape at that point and put them on one album together. Um, and on top of that, it's the return of album rap. Like, it, it wasn't a time when you had, I mean, it, it was sort of cash money millionaires were, were doing their absolute best at cranking out, um, you know, 16 or 18 tracks with, uh, with four skits and, um, you know, one or two hits that played on TRL every day. Um, and this guy basically said, I'm going to make a top-to-bottom record, um, and people are going to want to listen to it all the way through. And, you know, that's a real devotion to your art. Um, and I, I think uh, I think he, he absolutely deserves to move on for this album. All right, so uh, we're going to cast a vote. Let's cast our votes. So I think Jeremy and I are cast, I think. Yeah, yeah so no, and, and I would have a harder time with this um, if... There, if there wasn't such a, uh, if, if Kanye didn't have four albums on here, I think it, it's a, he's a, he is uh, going to be the victim of of um, being prolifically great uh, in this case. But this is this is not my favorite Kanye album. It's a it's great, uh, but Moon in Antarctica I uh, was the soundtrack for so many years for me that uh, I'm going to go with Moon in Antarctica moving forward. All right, the old man vote wins. The old man oh, vote wins. <laughs> Turn oh, that uh, age, damn age rap music wisdom. down. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have more, I, 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 yeah, I've got more votes coming for Kanye, so I'm not, I'm not, not feeling too bad. But it, it, it's, it's a tough one to leave on the roadside.
Anyway, next up is, uh, Jesus Christ, it doesn't get easier. Um, number seven, Sturgill Simpson, Metamodern Sounds of Country Music, versus number ten, Spoon, Gimme Fiction. It's a rough day for Spoon. Yeah. yeah uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of shitty draws. Yeah, they did. They, uh, <clears throat> All right, so who's going to throw out for uh, for well, who? I'm going to let Christian go with Sturgill because you were uh, – You've had this as listed as your favorite, as one of your favorite yep. um, Ever. food albums, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I think uh, you know what what Sturgill Simpson taps into here, and kind of kind of, I mean, I, it felt out of the blue for me, and I I don't know that this is um, uh, an accurate assessment of what was going on in, in Nashville, and I'm sure that there will be plenty of people who will disagree with uh, with with my assessment that. Um, you know, he, he's tapping into a vein of um, uh, a vein of outlaw country that wasn't so prominent in sort of indie rock at, at that point. Um, you know, I think certainly alt country had been, um, and you know, groups like Uncle Tupelo and I mean, Jeremy's a, a bigger expert on, on this than I am, but um, you know, I think that what he really harkened back to, and part of it is honestly the fact that he sounds he he has that that sort of Waylon Jennings control and like I mean frankly he's got a bigger voice um and and possibly a you know more range but um but certainly it's that kind of command and that kind of authority that 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 Waylon had um that really gets you uh gets you listening now on top of that you know I've seen this guy a bunch now um unfortunately uh the Icelandic wonder Laura Jomets is no longer playing uh, playing in his band, but um, having just seen Sturgill a few months back at, at Radio City, I'll tell you he is himself one of the finest guitar players. You know, you'll you'll see yeah. uh, grace a stage in a place. You know, um, certainly certainly outside of Nashville, um, and I mean he's really just uh, he's an outstanding player. But but Lauer took it to a to a whole new level. Um, I believe he's an Estonian and, wonder. Just after yeah, he is Estonian. Um, sorry, I have, I have Sigur Ross stuck in my head. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he is, um, he's now gone off and, uh, uh, to work on his own project. But, you know, I, I think this really intro- introduced like a, a sort of wonderful, like the, the psychedelia, um, a lot of things that are, you know, real sort of like existential pining and angst and like, you know, a- asking a lot of questions about, um, about aging and the kind of person that he wants to be and the kind of drugs he wants to do or not do. Um, you know, these are things that, like, pieces of them are present in country music, but, frankly, the country music industry does a pretty good job at smothering that kind of shit in its crib. And, um, you know, they haven't, frankly, been very uh, accommodating of, of Sturgill's rise, um, and I'm sure they regret it now. But, uh, you know, but he's always been sort of... Uh, always been this outsider who you feel for all of his stated insecurity, seems to have a whole hell of a lot better view of what he's going to be doing with his time and with his life and with his music than, than most people ever will. Um, and I think that that's really reflected on this absolutely wonderful album. I mean, Life of Sin, Long White Line, The Promise, which is one of the coolest covers I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, It Ain't All Flowers, Turtles All the Way Down. I mean, you know, the lice goes on. It, it's... Um, you know, it, it, every song is incredible. Uh, I I couldn't possibly um, say anything negative about this album, frankly. And then, uh, you know, do you want me to take, uh, give me fiction, Jer? 
Yeah, go for it. I mean, I, I like them both a lot, so yeah, I, can, I, I, I can be swayed either way here. Yeah, I mean, Give Me Fiction, I'm going to preface this by you know, almost tipping my hand, which is, you know, this, my Spoon may suffer the same fate as Kanye West just suffered by having um, too many quality entrants to, um, you know, uh, to have any of, any of us get, you know, so solidly behind one. But Give Me Fiction, uh, I remember we were talking about Hot Thoughts last year, when it came out and saying that, you know, it's, it was such a rare thing for a rock band, uh, in this case Spoon, to get sexier and, you know, more, uh, have more swagger and sex appeal and, and, you know, groove as they got older. I mean, this is a band that's, um, you know, sort of my, uh, more or less my contemporaries. I think they're in their mid forties at this point. Um, but this was the album that introduced the idea that they might have some swing in them. Uh, the other ones had been sort of um, the decon- pop deconstruction, as we talked about with Girls Can Tell um, uh, earlier. But, you know, it was that sort of uh, icy deconstruction, almost, you know, mathematical uh, decomposition and recomposition of, of what pop song is. Um, this one, you know, something like I Turn My Camera On or, you know, uh, you know, the, this introduced the idea that they had some groove and danceability and, you know, there was some uh, sex in them, they're white boys. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's, I like this album an awful lot. I go back to it an awful lot. Uh, I tend to cherry pick different songs from different Spoon records and sort of, you know, recompile them much the same as they do with music and sounds. Um, but this one has, you know... Sister Jack, which is you know almost a British invasion song, um, you know they're yeah they're, Beast and Dragon, Adore, Two Sides, and Monsieur Valentine. I think this is actually an underrated. Spoon I think it's album. super it's, underrated. It's a really really good record. I think it, again, like it was kind of a band that's been you know you can say it was on the upswing, but has continued to be on the upswing as we've stated. But the fact that they have four albums in this. Um, in this tournament, but you know, it's an album in 05 that came out and, and, uh, you know, I think again, like you, you kind of like I was talking about with Modest Mouse where you sort of, you in general have bands that put out a good record and you kind of are ready for a letdown, right? It just happens naturally uh, with bands you love. And, and this was just them continuing kind of the streak that they've been on. But I, I think this is like their most overlooked record and probably like, I mean, the first six songs on this are excellent. You know, it's just six or seven songs. I mean, start, you know, are, are great. That's funny. I, I mean, I would, I would not say that this, I don't feel that this is a hugely overlooked, uh, overlooked Spoon record, um, but partly that may be, you know, the age I was when I, when it was released it. and that I was just in yeah. prime. Yeah, I was like in prime loving Spoon mode. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but I, I think like Transference has got to be a weaker Oh no no! Um, I, I don't think. Oh, yeah, I yeah. don't think Transference is by any stretch. Um, but it's a, not a, that good. A more highly rated album. I yeah. just think that Gimme Fiction got gets kind of lost when people are talking about the best Spoon albums. I think um, in between, like Kill the Moonlight, Ga Ga Ga, yeah, like those it, albums seem to get more hype I or think, did get more hype. I think I'm right in saying that it has their highest charting songs though. Like I turned my camera on was a was a hit. I mean, not quite float on mm. level, but like it was big. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, these are. Uh, this isn't necessarily a, a, an important argument to have, but I think um, Cherry Bomb and uh, um, 
the, the underdog. Uh, the underdog Under, were bigger yeah. hits than than anything that was on. Although my, I turned my camera on, um, was you wound up being used a lot in advertisements, and mm-hmm. you know, Spoon is another band like the Black Keys that has, uh, you know, has as they've gotten older have have learned the benefit of, um, you know, utilizing their songs for commercial purposes in a good way, and you know, have probably allowed themselves to stay in a band into their forties as a result. Um, anyway, I'm going to bring this to a vote because, uh, and I'm not, this is, I'm going to cast my vote first. It's, this is by far not a vote against Spoon, but a vote for Sturgill. I'm going to vote for Sturgill. Yeah. I mean, I, we know where Christian stands and I'm actually, it's going to be a sweep. I, I, uh, I too am a huge fan of the Sturgill Simpson album and just a huge fan of everything he does. So we need to represent and, uh, represent some country on this bracket. Yeah. It's a bummer. That's a tough matchup. Two, three, four. Well, things have been a little complicated. Quality life has got me down. Well, sex is cheap and the talk is overrated. And the boys and me still working on the sound. Well, a little happiness, a little love. All I wanted Sure as hell Thought I'd found it But I was wrong She left my heart Feeling torment And my memories all haunted Was her I have to thank All my songs So every day I'm smoking my brain hazy All I can do To keep from going crazy But the paranoia Slowly creeping in Anyway, the last one I think is a lot less difficult, and so we'll make quick work of it. It's uh, Sufjan Stevens' "Come On Feel the Illinois" versus Titus Andronicus's "The Monitor." Um, I'm not even. I the monitor. How did the monitor even get on here? I would have thought that it would be the most lamentable tragedy. Yeah, I think the most lamentable tragedy is by far better. uh, (laughs) Is is the most lamentable tragedy that Damien so loves the monitor? It wasn't me. No, I think it was. I think it was our producer. Um, <laughs> because we're all looking around wondering how the hell this, this got so high on the list. But, but you know what? Um, first song kicks ass. The, yeah, the first song is amazing, <laughs> and, I, and I listen to it frequently. But that's a, you know, The Monitor is a really great album. It I is. don't, um, but it's coming up against Suffian Stevens's Come On Feel the Illinois. A um, pop masterpiece? Yeah, which is, you know, just unassailably uh, a great music, uh, a great record that I, you know, I, I, I really think kind of transcends. Um, any of the genres that that he might be placed in, um, it almost feels like it, you know, like a like an epic soundtrack, um, like a Rodgers and Hammerstein almost kind of thing, or a George, or you know, Gershwin or something. It's it's that. Um, imp- I I feel like it was that much of a, a, a you know, genre busting. Um, Masterpiece. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. So, so anyway, um, Cyanar. Yeah, the just monitor. just worth 
worth putting in a mention that, uh, you know, I want to credit Titus Andronicus for the completely unbridled ambition that they've had pretty consistently <laughs> since this came out when, you know, they put out a concept album on the Civil War, um, which is maybe not the most contemporary punk thing that you could do. Yeah, this is actually, um, I mean, in, in the fairness, this is a... It's a pretty kick-ass a con- record. A Civil War concept record versus... Uh, uh, Concept a state record. concept record <laughs> yeah, state. about the great emancipator. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is this is Lincoln versus, uh, well, I guess versus everybody in the Civil War. Carl but either Sandberg. way, yeah. Um, you know, so I I do think uh, I do think it, Actually, it deserves hot, a lot of credit. This is hot Lincoln on Lincoln action. Is what this yeah, is. <laughs> it is Lincoln logs. Um, uh, anyway, but uh, yeah. that I think that's it for day one of. Uh, our round of 64, we're going to be back uh, tomorrow with uh, our second two regions and uh, a lot more uh, difficult matchups and a lot more uh, consternation on behalf of the brothers. So uh, thanks, you guys, for doing this, and, and we'll come back tomorrow and do some more. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.